come on, Smitty, spit, 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 spit us a, a freestyle. This is Jacob Bratz with JLB Morelia. This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And you're listening to the Herpeticulture Podcast. Enjoy. Episode. Well, let's rewind. Good evening. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good morning. Wherever you might be. At whatever time you might be listening. This is episode 92 of the Herpeticulture Podcast. My name's Jacob Bratz of J.O.B. Morelia. I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. Per usual. Per usual. Yeah. <clears throat> you good? You yeah. You dialed in. Yeah, I think so. Let me crack open this bad boy. Mm. Mm. Oh. Mm. There it is. <laughs> There's that nine o'clock monster. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's go. This is 92, correct? Uh, Pretty sure it is. Probably. I think so. <clears throat> well, Something like that. That really doesn't matter, but what does matter is uh, this show is brought to you by Steve Snakeuary, Venom Hot Sauce, MP Cages and Exotics, Sean Wagner. If you've been listening to the show for any extended amount of time, you know what's up. Yeah, if you, you need hot sauce, if you need racks and cages, you know where to go. Here comes Archibald. Oh, see, he heard, he heard, he heard the, he the heard, hot sauce. He heard hot sauce. Like, he go. heard MP Cages. Man, he just came running. Look. Look, sauce and racks so good, your dogs will love it. Look, if that doesn't sell right. you, if that doesn't sell you, I don't know what does. You know. You already know. So this show is also brought to you by Archibald. Archibald, the best little dog ever. Official sponsor of the Herpetical My fur baby. podcast. Your fur baby, it's please. My fur God, baby, don't. Can't. I always I'm so frustrated because I always feel like the fan is so damn loud, man. I feel like it's good now. I can't really maybe hear. Maybe it's it. because I I have my gain in my headphones turned up higher, yeah. so maybe that's why. I don't know. Like when we did the show with uh, <clears throat> Lewis, I could we couldn't I couldn't hear anything. But it's also just it was just yeah, your mic. So no. were you using that blue mic for that? Um, I thought I saw it out. I was. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Work pretty good. So if anybody didn't catch that either, uh, James yeah. Lewis and April Justine of the Reptile Gumbo podcast had us, Eric and Owen from NPR, Joe Fallon, Riley, Riley and da, 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 da. That, is that that's eight. That's it. Yeah. You, me, Eric, Owen, April, Jimmy, Joe. Riley, yeah, that's eight. That's everybody. Yeah, so it was a good time. Yeah. Um, you can check that out over on their feed. All their shows are on uh, all the major podcast platforms. Yeah, um, it was a good time. It was fun. I, I enjoyed it. I dropped out a couple times because of my yeah. internet. <clears throat> yeah, but it dropped was actually surprisingly. I was like, I have a policy of like the more people you have, yeah, the more chaotic a show is. Like everyone's talking over each other. Yeah, it's like starting a sentence not realizing someone's done like we didn't have that problem here i feel like it we're very organized i think like, it's partially because we're all podcasters so it, i think we all knew kind of what the deal yeah. was and 
what not you know what to I'm do. Saying? It's just most of the time you have yeah, yeah. a ton of people, and it's like I've had people yeah. tell me they're like, you know, roundtable episodes or whatever, like anything with like more than three people. Yeah, you know, they're just like it's like I feel like you, you know, I think Brian Fisher and I talked about that at one point. He's like, when you get a ton of people, it just he's like, I feel like you don't even really get a chance to like talk in depth. Yeah. Like it's like, what's your answer to that question? You have thirty seconds. Okay, cool. And it's like on what's yours? You can't yeah. cover. Yeah, you can't cover everything. Yeah, you know, it, when it's you have hard. More people, so, but I thought it went really well. Yeah, it, it did. You know, and we got it. We got it. Pretty much everything we wanted covered in. You know, in that time period, I thought for sure that show was going to go two and a half hours plus, but I think it was right at two. So, I mean, uh, I, ha- I mean, I had some, like, I, I did my little homework thing. Like, James sent a document to everybody that's, like, the outline. And, like, yeah. everybody wrote in their stuff. And I did all that. And we didn't get to my my question, which was, like, how does everybody pregame before, uh, like, before a show? I don't know if you do anything special. I mean, I don't do anything specific. I just jam out on my way here, listen, listen to some tunes, have a smoke, you know, jam out, yeah. get in the zone. What about Dude, you? I what try you to do? like hype myself up a little bit. Yeah, you know? I want to just I want to yeah. tired. I'm at work. I'm like I gotta bring it back. Gotta yeah, get, you know, caffeine. Got a got a good cigar. Listen to some like Run the Jewels or something. Yeah, and uh, I've been on a super heavy rap kick. Dude, I have too for a long time now. Like I don't know. You you I need just, you need to check out this guy named Echo. He's pretty cool. More of a new age rapper, but it's it's really his stuff is so clever. He's very lyrically clever and. uh you check him out. There's this 90s gangster rap and hip-hop playlist on Spotify that's just awesome. It's super long. Oh, yeah. And it's, I, I freaking love it. It's like a lot of the old old stuff. Oh, yeah. Not to sound like I, I'm I an can, old man. I can but tell with your... Uh, yeah, my, my cube your, shirt. Your cube shirt. Um, but, uh, so yeah, go check out that episode. It was a good time. It was a good time. Um, we had this fun. episode, we have Chris Montross of Dark Horse, Dark Horse or Pediculture. Uh, so, if you follow him, which you should be, he does. If you're not, if it's, you're dumb. If it's a North American colubrid, he's like he's got he's it. He's either got it or he's had it. He's got just about every locality of that one too. And he's he's very big in a so, Nerodia, which yeah, I think we've we've talked about him on the podcast before. Like, <laughs> I, I've talked about how much I like yeah. them. You have no, d- trashed mean, me for it. Like, Who? Him? Chris. We haven't had him on the podcast. No, but we've talked about him. Like, oh yeah, yeah. We've, we've sung his praises. Oh yeah, but Nerodia like Nerodia are cool. I like the really, really, really yeah. like maroon bandits that we have around here. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some actually. Shout out to Elijah Day down in Florida. He works at a golf course currently, and he has some of the coolest looking water snakes I've ever seen. I'll show you a picture of them. Nice. They look like freaking like death yeah. animals. It, but it's just one of those things, water snakes in general, like if you're in the hobby, like not many people keep them. So I just don't think they're seen as, you know, I hate using the term, but pet quality per se, you know, at least up until recent, you know, people are starting to realize that right. they're really not bad animals to keep. I just think a lot of people just never really thought about keeping them. So yeah. we're going to talk about that a little bit today with uh, well, whole Chris. Without further ado, let me get my makeshift coaster together. I don't want to leave rings on this table. Oh, you want to give me one? I'm kidding. Oh. I don't care about this table. I just worry about, like, the liquid uh, from my can, like, final destination, destinationing oh. its way uh. to my soundboard and frying me, which I feel like is a completely legitimate fear. You know? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so let's get it started. Good evening, gentlemen. What's up? What's going on, man? Uh, just a little bit of everything, as always. Yeah. Can you hear Jacob okay? Yeah, can you hear me? <laughs> I think I can hear both of you, yeah. Okay, okay. cool. Almost always, Jake gets, like, backseated yeah. volume-wise. Yeah, Every ever since we started using Facebook, though, it's been a lot better. It hasn't been as, you know, I haven't gotten complaints as much. I think the last time we got a bad one was uh, when we did add Brian Hayes on. We had him up and... Uh, yeah, I, whoever is talking... Whoever's talking right there is pretty low. That's Jake. Damn it. And he just jinxed okay. himself. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Fuck. Here. I turned up your gain a little bit. Maybe that'll help. How about, it's going to pick up me in the background, too. How about now? Is that a little better? Probably not. At all? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit? Yeah. We'll ride with it. It'll be what well, it is. Uh, what is going on, dude? Oh, man. It's just, you know, it's that time of year. There's always a lot going on. Yeah, man. I bet. You got all kinds of... All kinds of goodies over there. I can only imagine how uh, how busy you stay. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a busy time of the year. It just doesn't seem to stop. <laughs> Is it? I mean, are you pairing stuff? Are you producing stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. I've got babies on the ground, nice. gravid females still, eggs still due to hatch. It's right in the middle. Nice. So in a, a very exciting time, but also a very uh, busy time. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Exciting and stressful all at the same time. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, this has been an episode that we've been wanting to do for a hot minute. Yes. And I know I've mentioned it to you in passing on Messenger at least like two times, three times. Yeah. We're always like, yeah, yeah. we'll make it happen. And then it kind of just doo -doo -doo disappears <laughs> into the void and... Uh, that's life. That's know. life, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then, uh, then when we started chatting, I was like, "All right, we gotta get this guy on. We gotta, we gotta chat." And here we are. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm yeah. Pumped about awesome. it. Awesome. As as we're Appreciate both, all three of us are appreciators of North American colubrids. Yes. You know, you especially. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Of late, that seems to be uh, my my passion of focus. Awesome. Awesome. Now, was there a time? where you weren't focused on colubrids that you were like heavy into something else sure. yeah well i spent uh, a good number of years of my professional my adult life in the zoo profession so i've kind of had an opportunity oh, to be okay. exposed to about everything really yeah. nice. and so as a result you know I i've kind of gotten my hands and eyes and brain on a little bit of everything to an extent and you know and uh you know, not everything is doable at home. Not everything's doable with a lifestyle. And, you know, we all make decisions to work with things that, that, that seem to work, you know, with our lives, so to yeah. speak. Yeah. That is kind of eerie. Like, I wonder if, like, on some sort of subconscious level, you know, like, for me, conjures are perfect because you don't have to do anything with them. <laughs> <laughs> they go to the bathroom, like, three times a year. <laughs> you just gotta keep, you just gotta change their water. Feed them like twice. Yeah, or good. Yeah. yeah, like six meals a year. Yeah, you're con golden. I, conjures are great. I worked with them like twenty years ago, and you know they're fun. They're just you know, I guess yeah, at this point in my life, they just I don't look at them and go like, oh my god, you know they're just I don't know, just yeah. kind of got past some of that stuff years ago, and they just don't really do it for me. I guess exciting anymore. Exciting species they are not. Yeah, 
Right, yeah, they're just, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I are, mean, They are boring, I will give people that. Like, if you're wanting something yeah. that's fast and sexy, that ain't it. <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, yeah. honestly, when it comes down to it, I'm really a lizard and turtle guy, but it just doesn't fit into my lifestyle, yeah. you know, these days. And so it, it I kind of went this route and, you know, the, went back to some stuff that I played with and dabbled with over the years, and it's just kind of stuck of late. So, you know. It's uh, and I'm really enjoying it this go around. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, so well, here we are. Well, how long have you been on the uh, North American Colubrid train? Uh, I mean, I've kept North American Colubrid since the late '80s in some respect, but you know, lately I kind of put a real hard focus on them about six or so years ago. Really, kind of decided to. Um, kind of put a concerted effort into a lot of the forgotten and overlooked stuff that we see in our backyards and, you know, that I've always appreciated. And, you know, it, it seemed like at least, uh, kind of before really I was on. So, oh, not good. Wait. Uh, Okay. Okay. I think we're back. We're good. I think, wait. Oh, good deal. Time out. Wait, are we, yeah, are we recording? We yeah. are recording. You know, and before okay. I kind of got onto social media and I held off for a great many years for every reason under the sun, um, it seemed like finding like-minded people interested in some of the same stuff was like impossible on a regional level for me. Right. So putting any effort into breeding and, you know, and, and any sort of focus on that seemed boring on pointless because I, I, I there was no outlet for offspring or any of that kind of stuff and so you know once I realized that there was ways to connect with a lot of other people that had similar interest it kind of helped fuel some of my early passions in uh, uh, in, in native species um, definitely and kind of you know worked well and plus a a, a, a good friend um, works specifically with sorry uh uh north american rats and has for many many years many decades and uh uh i kind of work with him on some of my rat projects and uh it's uh it's been enjoyable being able to feed off of his experience of, of of messing around with rats in particular for you know where he's been avidly doing rats and some kings since the late 60s so it's um it's it's been 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 fun in that respect and and enjoyable to learn and 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 reflect off of everybody's successes and failures over the years yeah yeah for sure at at what point was it nerodia like like what made you what caught Um, on with those because i mean that's not a species you see a lot of people keeping or genus no no keeping yeah, um, I, I've for for me as a kid, it was probably one of the most common species growing up in Central Florida, you know, to come across as far as at least you know the, the Florida banded waters. Right. So it's you know a species for me that like outside of maybe black racers, you know, I saw the most of while I was out herping, which wasn't herping back then. It was out snake hunting or whatever <laughs> random sort of related terminology we called it. Um, you know, it, it was a species that's been, I guess, uh, dear to me subconsciously for a long time. And I played with them a, f- a couple of times, once for a short period of time, 
uh, in, in college and realized that the husbandry practices that I was doing at that time were not working at all. And that was basically how I was keeping some of my other kings and stuff at that time that like they didn't tolerate that lifestyle. It just, they, they will crash and burn in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And, uh, years later I played with them on and off, uh, using them for exhibit animals and stuff for native species, um, at work. And then, uh, again, once I kind of got onto social media and I was able to find and connect with people that had similar interests, I was like, you know what? I can, I can go work with these because I really like them. And I think there's a lot to learn from them. There's a lot to appreciate them and a lot to understand that people aren't putting virtually any effort into or very little for that matter. Mm -hmm. And, uh, decided to kind of just roll with it. I really enjoy working with them. And, uh, and uh, it's just kind of steamrolled, especially as I've gotten a couple other people out there, you know, uh, reasonably passionate about it as well. So it's been a it's been a great uh, teamwork sort of thing to some extent. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I've always I've talked loves them. I've talked about them before on the podcast because that's that's kind of I'm kind of was in the same boat as like they're one of the most common snakes i've found personally like i have found so many and i kind of like have like a, a bucket list of different species of nerodia that i i've i've found you know i found several over yeah. you know a, a several states and i don't know it's, it's cool just to see that the diversity within them all and you know like you said they're very very common you know in most areas you know with that have fresh water and I don't know. There's just yeah. uh, there's something about them that has always been cool. It's like yeah, they kind of stink, you know, especially wild caught ones. But you know, they're sure. Yeah, I, I don't mean, know. They're a just fresh, a fresh wild caught one. You know, I mean, it's uh, many of them, and it depends on the individual. They do have, you know, they stink. They can be nasty. Yeah. Um. But you know what? I mean, rat snakes are pretty mean and nasty too. Yeah. Exactly. Them, um. You know, king snakes can vary. But, you know, once, you know, and I'll say bandits in particular, and I've worked with most of all the different waters, you know, at different periods, but um, most of them become just so chill and tractable and really enjoyable, um, even compared, like, you know, I mean, you want to talk about a mean snake, man, go open some King, Florida king snake cages, man. Yeah. Oh, just come lunch don't now get me started food. on those things, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, king snakes. Yeah. I love them. I've had a soft spot for Florida king since I was a kid, and I keep a handful, and I'm going to be adding some more localities, you know, in the future. But, like, you know, I get tired of getting bit by my king snakes. It's just... <laughs> You know, I call that group with the with the Floridas and the Easterns and the Splendid Eye and the Callies. I call that the Meth Propeltis group because the they're propel super cracked out and you can't trust them. Like, yeah, Thayeri yeah. and Alterna, like they're their own. So yeah, they're like the anti King Snake, sure. especially Alterna because I've never had an Alterna yeah. even, even attempt to bite. Yeah, me. even like try. The Thayeri don't seem to really dig being handled, but they're also not yeah. not as bitey. But like Brooks King Snakes, I'll never I'll never touch another one in my life, dude. <laughs> I hate those freaking things. I, I, don't, I don't trust a single very, one. They're just very food motivated. Yeah. And, like uh, <laughs> that's funny. I, I, for me growing up, seeing pictures in the part of the state I lived in, we just didn't have Florida Kings. I was in the middle of the state. And so it wasn't something I ever grew up seeing. Right. And, uh, and so once I, you know, and I'm just seeing them in these old books and just amazed by them. And, got my first one in trade from a guy that caught a gravid female from the Tampa area. And like, ever since I got that one, I've loved them, but I kind of didn't really kind of get into them or focus on them in any way. And then 
as I started messing with, you know, these waters and rats, I was like, I think I'm going to add a few, a few kings to play with. And, you know, just, I just, I've been adding a couple here and there just to enjoy. I can't keep a lot of other kings because mm-hmm. of where I live, uh, in, in this state. Um, a lot of them are protected here, so I can't work wow. with much of Florida as I can, I can do. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, uh, for the Nerodia, you know, I feel like, you know, the, yeah. a, a big reason why they haven't been, you know, in captivity is because, yeah, a lot of them, a lot of the wild caught stuff has been nasty, bitey, smelly, you know, all the above. And I, but I also think partial to that is, you know, being a water snake, people think they need to have like a fully yeah. aquatic setup for them. Right. So like what, right. what yeah, is, what, definitely... that was what I was about there's to def- ask because they've come a really yeah. long yeah, way. Like so... we were talking about that the other night, sure. like water snakes, you know, 50, 20 years ago, people would have totally set them up like they would set up probably any like aquatic turtle. Yeah. But then sure. guys like yourself, people see the right. way you're keeping them and they're like, wait, that's like, any other yeah. rat snake yeah you know it's very right. confusing but it's, right. it's awesome right yeah and and if you spend enough time with them you know in the field which is is where a lot of my native colubrid passion comes from i spend a lot of time in the field i enjoy getting out with my friends and going out and finding stuff you know and seeing stuff and photographing stuff and you get out and you see that a lot of these 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 Nerodia species really don't spend that much time actually in the water they're usually spending it up basking sitting out all day on the bank on a branch whatever the case may be and then they go down and they hunt at night and so they're really spending the majority of their time out and dry and they're not just sitting in the water all the time right each each location and each habitat varies across the range but you know more times than not unless i'm out at night you know these guys are sitting up in branches or up on the bank somewhere you know so um but there's a lot of other kind of factors that go into that environment that they're in that you have to kind of take into consideration in captivity, you know. And so that's where I think a lot of the uh, husbandry failures in the past has 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 come into play. I kind of figured it out once I was trying to keep some, you know, for exhibit purposes that like, hey, I can keep some of these just in a neodesha cage and they do just great. And, you know, I could put them in these big exhibit ant cages, you know, and with with room and and, and good ventilation. And, hey, they do pretty darn good as long as, the, you know, you've got them feeding. They, they're, they're really content, you know, animals. And so as I decided I wanted to kind of put some effort into them, I just played into my experiences in the past of, of uh, failures and successes and started working on it and figuring out the best route to go with for what I could offer, you know, in, in, in my, at my house. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so what's a, what's a typical, like, we'll say, go ahead and say adult, what's an adult banded water snake setup look like for, at, at your place? Um, I use big Sterilite tubs, the 66s and the, uh, what's the big ones? They're like maybe 106 or whatever they, that size is, the, mm-hmm. the bigger size. And uh, and the, the sides I are heavily drilled. I make like templates with cardboard and pattern them up with a sharpie and just drill my brains out and put mm-hmm. these huge grill works of, of, of ventilation holes on the sides, um, trying not to compromise the integrity of the plastic, yeah. but trying to give as much ventilation as I can. Right. Um, I just started in the past couple of weeks going back and actually adding some. Um, to the tops as well because I kind of started realizing that 
the way the airflow is in my room, that uh, air going down is going to be beneficial as well, just the way fans and stuff are running mm-hmm. in the room. And so um, just use these big, you know, semi-transparent sort of uh, uh, big tubs. And uh, the ones that just kind of latch but don't latch real well, they kind of have like a latch on either end kind of thing. So they yeah, don't yeah. – not being, not being constrictors like the rats and the kings – they really don't have a great ability to push out of those mm-hmm. cages. Like I could never put a rat or a king in them. Um, but for, for the waters, they, they, they work great because they just don't have that, that strength pushing up to, to get out of those cages. The simple little latches on either end end up being great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just a, you know, inch or two of, of pine shavings and uh, some various hides, depending on their sizes from, different types of plastic containers with holes in them for them to get into and paper towel rolls or, you know, any of that kind of stuff, stuff that's either disposable or easily cleaned and disinfected. Um, and then a, a, a water receptacle. Um, I, I played with a couple of different things over the past number of years trying to find out what's best. And uh, I, I kind of ended up going with something bigger of late because um, I got tired of them dumping water bowls and so yeah. <laughs> um it, it gets tiresome and then you know when you get these wet environments and it's really bad for them so um of late i've turned to using through the generosity of lots of friends and co-workers using coffee tubs um those like folgers coffee containers they don't tip them over i could put you know a third of the volume of water down on the bottom of it and uh they're easily clean they're easily soaked and disinfected um and they don't dump them over. So that ended up being a, a huge uh, 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 change once I kind of got past some of the other little smaller bowls that they would just kind of push over, dump over, fill up with substrate or whatever. Yeah, that was um, the constant battle I was having with the Bairds. Like, especially if I kept it on paper towel. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. flip the water bowl and just sit in, like, yep. a very yep. tiny amount of water overnight. And finally, yep. I was and I switched them over to substrate, and that all stopped. But I also got bigger water dishes that hold more, so they're heavier. Yeah, and I have yeah. to have a problem with that. But God, right. it's frustrating. And yeah, it is. It, it's annoying. And I've tried different things. I had a lot of little, you know, these like you know, clear crock looking ones that I picked up from like the dollar store. Mm-hmm. I bought like a lot of twenty of them when I saw them one day. It's like, oh, these will be great. Well, they're just still not good enough for some of the bigger snakes because they tip them over easy and then they don't have enough and all that sort of stuff. They, they would work cool on like my medium tubs with my rats and Kings cause mm-hmm. they can't turn them over. Um, but for any of the big, any of the adult rats and Kings and waters, um, right now until I find something else, these, 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 uh, the, the shallower tub, uh, like coffee containers seem to be my go-to and they're free on top of it so it's just yeah. a win-win all the way around <laughs> yeah that's uh that's a big uh, you know there's nothing it. aesthetics in there the other also thing I, I do in those in in my tubs which has changed maybe over the past year and even since i actually since probably this actually just this year because when i wrote the article for the magazine there's a picture in there and there was some like oak limbs and stuff yeah. for the waters to be able to get up on and i've been using that for that approach for a number of years and just changing them out whenever they would kind of just either get moldy or whatever. And I couldn't just, you know, I couldn't get to the point of disinfecting them enough, but i wanted to find something else that was better, easier to disinfect and keep clean and, mm-hmm. and, and moisture absorbing wood just isn't great for that. Um, and so I 
was kind of paying attention to what I'd see other people use and some of the, you know, the different boa guys and stuff, uh, you know, use different sorts of fencing and wiring sort of materials. They put a little roll of it, a little hoop of it or whatever, and the little guys go climb all over them. And it's a perfect little arboreal, you know, uh, place for those guys to sit. And it's a surface that's easily cleaned and disinfected. And so I went and found some uh, big rolls of uh, coated, like, chicken wire type stuff yeah is it that um, green stuff that the green stuff exactly um yeah i've been buying rolls of that at lowe's and uh just cutting it to size in all my different cages whether it's a shoebox for young snakes or uh some of the adult cages and that just gives them an easy what they can get up off they can use some of the you know the different you know airspace in the cage and not just have the surface and the hides they can get up off the ground and right. that sort of thing and, and and be out and visible without being in the substrate sort of thing so i've kind of liked that change so far this year that I've, I've i've added in nice yeah so that's the actual wire though that you use because i used like it was like plastic fencing that was a little bit more like flimsy like it worked yeah. fine for babies but anything bigger right. would just flatten it so you use the actual exactly. wire that's coated yep Okay. Yep, I went down the aisle and just I was like, I knew I needed to get something coated because the uncoated stuff is going to rust. They have yeah. little sharp edges on them yeah. and stuff like that. And knowing from the zoo field, you end up, you know, you learn certain types of wires you just avoid. And so because right. they've just got hangups on them and stuff. And so I just went down the aisle once or twice and just kept looking. And I was like, you know, this this looks like it'll work. It's easy to cut. It's easy to bend. It's reasonably affordable. I can make quite a few out of one roll, mm-hmm. and so uh, I've, I've been—I've been—I think I've got everything outfitted except for as I'm drilling new cages as babies are being born. I turn around, I have them buy new shoe boxes all the time. Um, <laughs> I'm constantly cutting. I got a roll sitting in my room, and I'm constantly got my side cutters there, just nipping off sections to <laughs> bend and sit up in in baby cages. Nice man. The uh, I awesome. know with the article. Like you sent it in, and when I read that you were using pine shavings, I like messaged you because I had to. I was yeah. like, "Is this a typo?" <laughs> we and talked like, about no. we, me and Chris talked about this the other and day. I was like, <laughs> "Pine," you said, "Yeah." I was like, "And you haven't had any problems with it?" You're like, "Nope." And so I was like, "All right." I was like, "I guess we're gonna roll with it." Like, yeah. I don't know. That's yeah. that's just one of those substitutes that you you hear a lot to avoid. Yeah. Right. And it's funny. I hear that. I've got a, a close buddy that I field herp with. He's not a he's not a captive husbandry guy, but he's a reptile vet and and a general vet as well. And uh, as I started getting back into keeping more stuff a number of years ago, after I'd taken a little break, um, and he had stopped by and was picking me up, going wherever herping, and he came in and saw it. He's like, he said the same thing. He's like, you use pine. He's like, you know, you can't use that. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean I can't use that? <laughs> Of course i can use that i know a lot of people that use it and everybody uses it very successfully i don't know where these rumors and myths come from i mean maybe it's because people along the way have used fresh cut pine or yeah. have used them in extremely stagnant air wet conditions or something i i, I don't i don't know I, I i can't i can't say but i mean i know i've used pine when i've had colubrids since gosh it, mid mid 90s early 90s probably somewhere in there i mean i haven't kept colubrids consistently that whole time but when i have i've always gone to that because i hate newspaper Mm -hmm. so and nowadays i don't even know how to get newspaper like i don't know anybody that gets a newspaper so (laughs) i you know you know and 
and I can easily go down to my local feed store and buy big, big compressed bales of it for, I don't even know what they charge me, seven and a half bucks for a big bale. And, uh, you know, it, it, and then I can compost it when I'm done. You know, I put it out in my garden, I put it in my compost pile, you know, and it, it's just a whole turnaround. It works great for everything. And do you prefer that over Aspen or anything else I don't, for any particular I, I don't, reason, I, I, or is it just an availability thing? Uh, some of it for certain is an availability thing. I think I've used Aspen like once years ago, and I I don't remember with what or what. And there was something about it I didn't like, but some of it is just an availability issue. Like I got to go to a pet store or some other sort of venue of that nature to get Aspen and it's i don't know i just think well, that makes pine's sense. cheaper and available in large volumes you know so i have run with it and i haven't had a reason not to mm-hmm. and and two one of the things when i started kind of getting back in this last cycle of of of, of clubrids in the last less than 10 years um uh, one of the ones that kind of kind of got me going back into it, which was through my friend, was getting into subox. And I was like, I always wanted to work with, I always wanted to work with subox. I knew he was keeping some and breeding some. I was like, hey, you know, kind of like to go this road. You know, show me the ropes, tell me what to do. He'd been keeping it for years from stock he collected himself, and um, and I went and got uh, the subox book. He was like, you got to get subox book. So, Very good book. You know, I, I got Highly on there, ordered Dusty's. Yeah, I ordered Dusty's book. Um, my buddy's, my, my close friend's picture is actually the cover landscape photo on the book. Oh, cool. Um, uh, and, like, when you read it, what they describe for husbandry is pine shavings and excellent ventilation. That's mm-hmm. that's that's your rules. And, and some of the, the, the information provided by that book and the experiences of those guys – uh, in, in that in that click um, is that the, that sub- that dry substrate helps pull moisture out of the air and provide a drier air environment for those snakes. So I was like, well, that just sounds good for everybody, you know, at least in a colubrid, you know, in a temperate colubrid right. standpoint, you know, maybe not if you're doing Brazilians or, you know, Amazon trees or whatever, you know, but for a temperate colubrid, that's that's a good thing to have. You don't want moist stagnant air, you know, around for most of most of these guys. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I kind of kind of went with that angle as I got into more things, especially because I think I'd already been keeping the subox for a bit before I decided to to, to delve into to Nerodia and uh, pull steam like this, and just realized that that same mentality and philosophy just kind of rolled in really well with everything else I wanted to work with, so to speak. If I see a pair of subox at Daytona, dude, I'm totally getting them. If the price is right, <laughs> do it. I want some so freaking bad. Yeah, dude, everyone I've, I've wanted those to, for years. Everyone I've talked to is like, they're almost not even like a colubrid. They're he's a they, yeah, everyone I've talked definitely... to is like, they're so they're light years away from all, like they're so bizarre. Just like they're just different. Yeah. Yeah, they're 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 definitely a different diff, a different group. They're a really cool group. They're really great. Um, I, I'm not keeping any of those. My buddy's keeping all the western species at the moment except for i might have a few i might have some some emery's rats from like west texas at the moment but that's about it um the humidity here and i use a lot of outside heat during the warm months gets to be a bit of a struggle sometimes with some of those west species western species Mm, uh, uh, for me here in the southeast so um i don't have the ability to really i don't really have the room to go and set them up in another part of the house where they're like you know Dry or low humidity, you know, off the AC and stuff like that. So just I, 
I, I, I keep him on and off, helping him make sure he maintains a good a good colony population. And just at the moment, I don't I don't have any at the moment. I sent all the ones I had back, all my sub adults mm-hmm. back up to him. Yeah, I want to get yeah. Troy Hibbets on just to do a Bears episode, but I feel like we wouldn't really have a whole lot. Like, there's not a whole lot to to cover there. <laughs> You know, to fill up an know, entire maybe. episode, but I just... I don't know. I mean, you get somebody with a lot of field experience with those guys, you know, and there's a lot of variability across the range. I mean, those Eastern Range ones are just absolutely gorgeous, mm-hmm. you know, compared to some of the more common ones like Davis Mountain stuff. Yeah. And, uh, I messaged... and then not even talking, not even getting it, talking about getting into the Mexican, you know, races that are yeah. just, you know, totally different, a different look overall. So, I don't know. You get somebody with, like... Like those guys that uh, mm-hmm. have a lot of field time in with those, and uh, I don't know, probably be surprised, probably get a good, good bit of info out of the situation. I messaged Dan Parker this morning actually because I was like, "Hey, you producing any more of those Loma Altas?" And he's like, "Dude, the waiting list is so long on those right now." He's like, "I can add you if you want." I was like, "No," he's like, "Cause I bought a pair <laughs> from him at Carpet Fest before Carpet Fest last year, or was it before Daytona?" Yeah, Loma Alta. That was for Daytona because we went to Billy's, right? Or no? No, that was Carpet Fest. Yeah, yeah, that was Carpet Fest. And so I was like, I like I, That's I right. would like yeah, to get yeah, another yeah. pair from him at some point. But I was like, I have a pair. I just they're so nice. I want yeah. more from you know. So he's uh, he's like, yeah, yeah. there's like a waiting list. He's like, dude, I can't. Like they go so fast. Like yeah, they they just they're bigger babies, smaller clutches. That it doesn't take you know a whole lot for. You know, you get one person that wants them, and that's the majority of your clutch more times than not. Well, I and also so, feel partially responsible because I I tell everyone how awesome they are, like every episode. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And those Eastern Range ones, like the Loma Altas, and that's that's the area where the stock is that I've worked with, um, Highway Two Seventy Seven, and uh, they're they're just uh, they're they're impressive. The, those Eastern Range guys are just uh, they're uh, really bright, really cool. Just I love them just all. Sharp animals. Yeah. Sharp animals. I Man, love them all. That's awesome. One day, me and actually, I need to talk to you because Chris wants us to go do a herp trip out that way next year. So, Ooh. I think Billy's talking yes. about wanting to do it. So <laughs> we're gonna have to like get a little group combo going. Yeah, and coordinate because that'd be awesome. Yeah, we have to. We we need to plan it for around springtime and early spring. Oh, buddy. Maybe be killer. But yeah, let's do it. I'm down. Have you ever been herping out that way? Still haven't. I keep trying. It's just oh. uh, every time I keep saying I'm going to or it's gonna we're gonna make it work. It's like it's just I gotta take off so much time to be able to do it from work and stuff and life that it's you know if I, I have to take a minimum of a week to go out there because oh, it's such a long it's such a long drive out there oh. and that uh I just. I just haven't made it happen yet. I keep getting stuck, you know, enjoying the Southeast and, and herping all the stuff down here that I can't seem to, it seems like every time I get in the car, I'm going South and going back down to Florida. I can't seem to make it North or West anymore much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I keep trying and intending to, and it just doesn't materialize because I have so few periods of time that I can head out someplace and catch up with friends and spend some good time in the field these days. A couple of years back, I had a little more time, uh, work restrictions doesn't really gives me as much time as I had maybe five or six years ago. So mm-hmm. it's uh West Texas just can't seem to come together for me yet. One of these days it's going to happen, but yeah, I I've done quite a bit of herping because I lived in the same city as Chris for, um, how long of a drive is that from here? Um, 19 to 21 hours. Really? Yeah. It's a haul, man. Half of that's through Texas. 
I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not kidding. Like a lot of that drive is Texas. So, but sense. yeah, it's no, it, it is a good area. I lived, I lived in Corpus Christi for six months, and I, the amount of diamondback water snakes I found out there was ridiculous. <laughs> I found so many of those things. I remember the the biggest Nerodia to this day I found was every bit of a six plus foot diamondback water snake I found out there. It was. Yep, those, those females will get big. They're yeah. impressive, and they're you don't half the time won't put your hands on them either. Yeah, no, I was I was very lucky to actually get my hands on her. She was she was hefty. See, but so. thanks to you and thanks to Jake, anytime my dad's like, "Hey, there's a water a baby water snake in the pool. Come get it." I'm tempted to be like, "This could be the one that just starts <laughs> it all." Like. Maybe yeah. I'm looking at them like you know what maybe they maybe they are worth a shot. Yeah, maybe I should yeah. do it. Nah, but. man, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it one day, Chris. You're gonna be hearing from me about some water snakes in the <laughs> in the near future. I, I've been wanting to do it. I, I just I haven't I have straight haven't up yet, like eight, eight, eight times out of ten pulling snakes out of the skimmer box. My parents, it's a little bandit. yeah, oh yeah, that's cool. That's great. Yeah. yeah, I'm just outside the banded range where I live here in central Alabama. Um, so I got to drive a good two hours to get down to it again, but uh, it's 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 I, I most of my field trips end up being within banded range for one reason or another. It's, nice. It'll be again in two weeks too, so you know. Yeah. I'll I'll, I'll get a hike in when I go down to Daytona. <laughs> it'll happen. Yeah. Well, yeah, the nice thing about I, those too is you really don't have to go very far to find some. What bandits? Like yeah. water snakes in general. Like oh. you don't have to go way out in the middle no. of nowhere right you know? it's like yeah no especially in florida you, you got to kind of know where to go when to go time of year time of day you know there's definitely right. some you know there's certain places that i know i can reliably go all the time and i'm going to see a water snake yeah. or many and then there's other places that i, I got to be very specific about the time of day or the time of year to go it's just you know and then there's places where i I've seen one and never seen one again, despite repeated efforts. And uh, it's it's actually kind of funny how you know a species that's relatively common, you know, across the range can be actually quite challenging when you only have certain periods of time to go oh, yeah. and you know do field trips right. and, and 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 hope to see some. You know, and and in general, just I'm looking for anything. But you know, I tend to go out of my way to do to herp around water areas and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so as a result. You know, I'm I'm usually looking for at least wanting to see the water snakes in that area. And some areas, it's it's actually pretty darn tough. It's it's funny, but again, it's it's just like I got to pick a time on a calendar, and that doesn't necessarily line up with weather conditions and moon phases and right. every other variable that we you know have limited understanding of. Right. Which yeah. I didn't realize moon phases were as big of a factor oh, yeah, until I read man. that there's a book that book I read that guide to field herping that yeah. came out recently they had like a whole section about that and I was like it makes complete yeah, it, sense mm-hmm. it, it is there's there's a there's some people that really really plan their trips around that and plan their time in the field around that and others that don't or guys like me just can't it's like okay I got like next weekend available that's yeah, what I got right. whatever go. the weather <laughs> happens to be and I make it work and I'm gonna go see whatever I happen to see in the field you know, right. if it's raining and there's tree frogs out, then great. If it's the weather's just right and I get a rainy afternoon and evening time, snakes are moving, then great. You know, what, whatever. 
you know, yeah. I'm grateful for whatever. And if I'm getting skunked, I'm grateful to be out in the field and I'm taking pictures of flowers and landscapes and everything else anyways. Yeah, and I, I think at the end of the day, that's the important part, is that you're getting out and doing it. I Just enjoying yeah. it. it. Yeah, it's unfortunate, yep. man. I used to I used to road cruise almost daily a How couple of summers ago. How many times did we ago. talk about it and never do it? I know, man. It's just like <laughs> life caught up, man. The, the summer that I was doing my internship, man, damn near every day I was out driving with a friend of mine looking for snakes and it was uh, I miss doing it more. And I wish I could do it more, and because I I've got a I've got a pretty decent spot out out where I out where I grew up and uh, fooled me for uh, road cruising. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we went once. It was I'm not a, bad a big time road cruiser. I do it with friends and stuff because it's relatively productive, and in certain areas, it's more productive than not. Right. I don't, uh, and most of the guys I go out with, they, you know, they know I, I'm not a big road cruiser. I just like it because basically all you're doing is spending your time in the car. Right. And, you know, if you're with good friends and you've got conversation, <laughs> and that's a lot of it too. But for me, man, I like to get out. I want to feed on the ground, looking at the plants, looking at the birds, looking at everything that's going on, looking at the, you know, the, the overall geography and appreciating the, you know, right. the, the whole the whole habitat situation of wherever I happen to be, you know, there's just so much to appreciate when you're out in that. And then again, at the same time, when I go back and look at the pictures I've, I've taken from a field trip, it's like 75, 80% landscape and flowers and trees and waterways and stuff like that. And it's like, Oh, here's a couple pictures of, you know, this, this rat snake or whatever we happen to find, you know, it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of understanding about, animals in different areas you know why are the rat snakes in this area look like this well you know the habitat's like this why do they look like this over here you know just three counties away well the habitat's different over there it's all those sort of things you know hugely play into actually understanding the animals that 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 we all enjoy working with you know those you know those those are huge factors and right you know that that's everywhere you know whether you're looking at subox and the variations of subox across the range and the different soils and the rock types in those areas or you're you know looking at the different rat snakes you know across the range just here in the tight southeast you know all these rat snakes look the way they do because the habitat they're in is 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 different so right right it's it's crazy some of the variation that we see even like within within a certain range you know because i i brought up my internship before i did an internship on a very large uh track of but it was a it was a hunting uh plantation and um mm-hmm. we uh i did i found all kinds of snakes out there but on like the same property like the corn snakes would vary so much you know i found one that was just this the darkest orange you could imagine with these really black and defined saddles and you know an absolutely gorgeous animal and then i found i find another that has an extremely faded pattern it's very light orange you know it's almost it almost yep. had a patternless look to it but it was on the same track of land you know yep. and i that that's one thing i love about south carolina is our corn snakes like oh, yeah. best guys, in the world you, yeah you guys are in ha- you guys are in hallowed ground down there man it's just you know it's you know that's that that area down there has got as much notoriety if not more than you know west texas and you know south florida I yeah mean, it's just it's, you know people have been reading about that area for decades and decades generations yeah. you know a couple generations of herpers been reading about your guys hood so it i mean is it's something i've wanted to do like i know the okatee hunt club isn't there anymore but at least go out and find that yeah. same area and just yeah, like hunt club imagine stuff. like you need to read the dragon traders if you haven't it's, uh, yeah i haven't 
it's super good. But it has like a whole section that talks about the OGT Hunt Club and like back in you know like the the sixties and stuff. How popular it was. Mm. Like that used to be a mecca. Like there used to be a hotel out there, and like that became like the Herpers Hotel yeah. for OGT. Like that's oh, where all that's the snake so people. Cool. Yeah, dude. It's oh, yeah. It's, awesome because it's yeah. also nice because it's like right there like it's like mm-hmm. a 20 minute drive for us yeah but yeah i've i've found myself a lot more recently because like i i said i don't do that much herping anymore but i mean i guess i in a way i do because almost every weekend uh my girlfriend and i go to some type of wildlife reserve somewhere you know to photograph stuff and i usually find something sometimes you know it might just it's usually a bunch of gators and mostly birds now that i photograph because it's so hot out there's a lot of the snakes aren't moving at this time and it kind of sucks but you know i i found some i found some they're moving you just got to get out in the middle of the night Uh, yeah yeah and that's the issue is we go out yeah i've been trying to go out right at you know sunset and stuff because you know realistically we go out for photography you know i i just yeah i look for snakes while we're there because you know, yeah, my my sure. girlfriend isn't isn't much of a herper, but you know she really likes photography. So I do my looking, you know, while we're out there. But uh, yeah. yeah, you just pretend you gotta get to get in what pictures. you get. Yeah, I do yeah, take a lot of pictures. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it, it's been fun. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I actually found a really really cool looking uh, little yellow rat snake out at uh. I was very tempted to keep that one. I'm yeah, I know. So I was walking into work the other day. Yes, was it yesterday? Yeah, I think it was. Might have been. Yeah, I think it was yesterday. I was walking into work, and as I'm getting out of my car, our building is connected to this little bakery that has, like, a patio outside. And I'm getting all my stuff together, and I hear one of the waitresses who's like, I don't know what to do. There's a snake in the umbrella. And so I was like, <laughs> I was like, is there a snake? And she said, yeah. And so I bibbidi-bopped on over there and was like, <laughs> let me look. And I poked my head up. There's a little tiny, maybe a, a yearling would probably be a stretch, but a couple months old, a little yellow rat. Yeah. And I just reached up and grabbed him uh-huh. didn't even try to bite nothing he was just hanging out he's like oh okay i guess i'm guess i'm going with you yeah yeah my my biggest thing with wild caught stuff man is internal parasites like i can deal with mites and you know anything external but the internal parasites are what always freak me out out about trying to keep anything wild caught but that's something i wonder about like if you have wild caught animals and you're feeding them clean food quote unquote clean. Yeah. You know, like frozen thawed mice that you would get from whoever. Mm. Like, wouldn't you think that eventually those parasites, like the population would either die down, maybe not entirely disappear, but it would at least, cause they're not, you're not reintroducing it, it, new parasites. It depends on, it depends on the life cycle of the parasites. Some are direct and some are indirect life cycles. Some have to go through another host mm-hmm. to become right an infected animal and others can get it just being reinfected directly from fecal exposure and stuff within the cage and the water bowls and stuff like that. So it, it, it varies. And you know, there's, there's going to be loads that during stressful times of acclimation and, and, and reproduction that, uh, heavy loads of, of any of those guys can be, can be compromising. Yeah. And so, you know, there's, there's one parasite that, I struggle with with although I don't see it much I know they're there um with Nerodi and you see them in in any of the garters and stuff as well too which is nematodes mm-hmm. and uh mm. but they have an indirect life cycle they they get it directly from from the fish and they get them from the frogs and stuff like that but they cannot directly reproduce back within themselves so they just have the you know the animals that they've gotten exposed to 
live out their life. They, the adults get up under the skin. But to eradicate them, you have to use Ivamec. And Ivamec is – you got to dose things just right. Yeah, it can that's be very, hardcore, very fatal. And um, it's it's something I've I've tried to just ignore the best I can and, and, <laughs> and realize that they've got an indirect lifestyle cycle. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not going to continue to contaminate the animal. What's there is going to live out its life and die. And I'm going to have to ride it out over trying to dose them with Ivamec. And I just, just try to steer clear of it. Yeah, that stuff's yeah. rough, man. It's very easy to to overdo it. Yeah, it works yeah, like you have it, to it works it great, to... but holy crap, that's right. Stuff absolutely, is it it does its job, but you got to dilute it down so well, so much, and dose it just right. And and you know, I just and I've even got you know, I work in the veterinary field these days, and I've got close friends that are veterinary herps, and you know, I could do it, and I just yeah, I just I just steer away from it at this point. Right. I haven't found those that mm-hmm. that particular parasite to be all that detrimental compared to, you know, uh, some of the other ones that are, that burden them a little bit heavier. So, so if somebody say was trying to, you know, start like a locality project for, for some stuff that they have in their area, what would you recommend to, you know, treat for, you know, parasites? Would you say, you know, take it to your local vet and get something from them? That's always going to be the best bet. Cause that way you're going to get safe dosing for the size, you know, and stuff that you use. I mean, your typical dewormers are going to be fenbendazole, metronidazole, Mm -hmm. you know, depending on, you know, what your vet may find on, you know, a fecal examination. Um, most guys uh, like myself and, and a number of others that I know that, you know, along the way that do deal with wild caught stuff, they tend to just kind of do it prophylactically. You know, you get new animals in and they go through a series of, of just dewormings every couple of weeks over a period of time. And then, you know, as long as the animals are eating well and gaining weight, you let it ride. Some folks are big about, you know, doing annual ones again later on down the road, just in case everybody's kind of got their own little, you know, routine that they, that they yeah. are comfortable with and, and feels effective and, and those sort of things. Um, so, you know, to each their own, everybody's, everybody's got what, what they feel works. Right. Do you, do you think, you know, for, I get going on the, off the wild caught thing again, do you think it's less like, is it easier to treat and acclimate babies than it is, you know, like adults, like are the babies going to be as parasite loaded, you know, are they easier to kind of get, used to um, the captive lifestyle more, type deal more with I, I, what i find more than anything is with with big, younger animals versus older animals and that's this is kind of waters rats whatever the younger animals acclimate better they feed better the older animals are less just willing to acclimate and to take on new lifestyle changes yeah. and um and more people tend to want to go hey i want to get you know get these big adults and then i can you know start breeding them right away and right. you know it just doesn't always uh equal good success long term mm-hmm. um the the bigger adults that i have have gotten you know or just adults period not even necessarily bigger ones but just uh, mature animals um Gosh, it can take several years for a couple of those females to really, you know, settle down, be mentally comfortable, be good enough eaters to really want to right. and be able yeah. to reproduce. Whereas you're going to get the same, uh, um, you're going to get the same time frame of getting a younger one. But those younger ones, if you start them off, they they really seem to take well. They adapt better. 
Um, and, and I think on the whole, they become better readers long term. Um, so that's kind of what I steer to if I'm needing to get fresh blood or, or start a project, mm-hmm. you know, for a particular area that I want to, you know, f- put some attention on. Because that's, so, yeah. I mean, that's my policy with like green trees. Because I noticed like my male, my adult <clears> male, <throat> I think he was imported as an adult. And I, I don't see him ever chilling out. Yeah. He's always going to be an ass. Like it's going to happen. Yeah. But then you have my female who was imported when she was small. And I have some other babies that were imported when they were little. And they they're much more easily to work around. They're like they're yeah. no issues, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, same with the corns. Like, and yeah. that's how my policy with corn snakes is. Like, I'll keep it if it's small. But if it's an adult, like right. I've said before, it's already made it through Darwinism. Let that continue to do yeah. its thing. Like a baby, it's like it's probably a good chance it's going to get picked off by something yeah, before right. it hits a yeah. certain size. So it's like I don't feel as bad taking babies, but like adults, it's already made yeah, it. Let that, it keep doing its thing that's always been my rule of thumb you know personally i haven't really kept anything you know caught something and kept it you know it's never really been my my you know cup of tea you know mostly for the the parasite issues and things like that but that's always kind of been my rules like i will never take anything full-blown you know from from the wild you know obviously there are some instant instances where it's not you know obviously it's not at the end of the world you know you need new blood for a project you get a chance you know you can jump on it but it's, well i mean if we found like a female yellow rat and it was gravid yeah i'd be like yeah i'd hold on to her until she dropped and then yeah. hatch the eggs and you know either release them or you know hold on to a few do both whatever you know but going and right. saying oh i'm gonna find and keep every adult yellow rat or yeah. corn until i figure out which one's you know what's male what's female yeah, I'm not really into that. Nah. But like that bit, that little yellow rat I found yesterday, I was like, dude, this thing's like perfect. There's no scars. Yeah. There's no nothing. It's super it's mellow right now. And yeah. I was like, oh, like I want to take it home, but I was like, I'm not. And Katie also sent me a text that said, don't bring it home. So <laughs> I ended up letting it go in the little <laughs> little patch of woods next to the bakery. And if they find it again, I'll be like, oh, that must be a different one. Weird. Yeah, like, weird. <laughs> yeah. Little homie was just chilling in the umbrella, man. Yeah. Probably looking for frogs. So, so random question for you, Chris, just because yeah. I, I had an encounter the other day and it got my gears turning. Have you ever tried keeping rough green snakes in captivity? Say, say that again. I didn't understand that. Have you ever tried to keep rough green snakes in captivity? They're fun. Uh, I want to say, yeah, I had tried, but literally like very early on. Like, okay. gosh. Probably back in the eighties, okay, I probably I did. Um, snakes, no time, no time in like any current recent uh, time have I have I tried to put any sort of effort in them. I remember getting you know one to eat maybe a few crickets sort of thing and just realized that you know it's uh, wasn't my cup of tea. But then again, it was really early on when I was right. you know into herbs and even barely into keeping anything at the time. Just kind of transitioning into that. So, but there's some folks out there putting effort into species like that, you know? Yeah. Um, the first snakes I ever kept was some rough greens. Dude. Yeah. It was a blast. Yeah. I, I found one just the other day. It was just in my yard. I almost ran it over because I thought it was a piece of grass laying in the, in my driveway. But I was like, ah, it kind of looks like a snake. so cool. Yeah. And, you know, I found it yeah. and was just kind of messing with it. Me and Amanda got some pictures and man, it was just, it was just so damn cool. And it was the first snake yeah. she actually touched. So I was like, oh man, we got, we got traction. 
you know so gotcha. it was it i don't know it was just cool it kind of got my gears turning it'd be kind of cool to set one up in like a real like a bioactive you know like exoterra type deal like kind of similar to what you set your set your frogs up in just not so wet yeah you, know? you and, just do like some <clears throat> sort of sand peat mix or something yeah. they do really well and uh there's some I, folks in Florida that just hatched, just had, just had some captive bred and born babies hatch, just recently. Oh, no um, so there's some folks putting some effort. Joseph and uh, and 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 Ashley just just hatched out. I don't know, it was four or five or whatever it was. But uh, I'd seen, nice. I saw them their posts, and uh, so you know, there's people putting some effort into some of these species that, you know, I haven't gotten much attention, haven't gotten much appreciated, you know, over the years. And some folks are just, you know, maybe over the morphs and over the exotics, and you know, just want to appreciate some of the stuff some of the natives and put some effort into understanding them that's you know right. and understanding what it takes to to, to keep them alive that's and re- reproduce that's really what i'm i'm starting to you know obviously at heart i'm a carpet guy i love my carpet pythons but lately i've just i've wanted to just like kind of go back because like you know the the colubrid stuff the Nor- north american colubrids are just like my my beginning i guess you know and i moved away from them for a long time and you know and now it's just like i kind of want to just like circle back a little bit and get a couple yeah. little, couple rat snake projects but um right you know talking about rat snakes that leads me to my next thing oh. what the you know because you know, obviously i've been talking your ear off about white oaks you know so what <laughs> what 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 is it about white oaks that you know because you work with you know a couple different localities from what i've seen yeah of those you know what's what's different about them you know what what do you what do you like about the, the white oaks i don't know um god what is it i don't know I, I it's i think for some of the rat snakes it's one of the areas where some people kind of like tend to not put a lot of long-term effort into you know they kind of forget about them they kind of get into you know they want they want Everglades, so they, you know, want something else that's a little brighter and shinier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've always liked a nice gray rat snake, you know, forever, especially growing up down in Peninsular, Florida. You know, that was a snake that was like up out of, you know, I couldn't drive a get up, you know, to those. So it was like gray rats were cool because we didn't have them down here. Right. And so it's always been kind of a thing. And over many, over the many years of, you know, herped Apalachicola area with friends. And so, you know, and they're found across the whole, the whole panhandle area there. And, uh, just, you know, always felt like, you know, not enough people really, you know, you'll see people breeding them here and there, but nobody really does. And it's like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put some time into them and appreciate them and, and, uh, show people that they're, that they're really cool. And, you know, there is, you know, they're not all silvery white animals. Some of them are, some of them are a little different, have a little bit more color to them, a little, you know, a little bit more to appreciate than just everybody, looking for and trying to get their hands on and line breeding just the most silver whitest ones they can have, which are beautiful and great. And I've got some really gorgeous ones in that respect, but there's also some other, you know, great colors naturally found across the range in the panhandle too. And they maybe don't get as much, you know, appreciation and respect maybe. Right. Yeah. They, there's a, I mean, in my opinion, since I've been looking at them, you know, I, I think they're one of the prettiest rat snakes like out there, man. Like looking at some, there's yeah. a ton of diversity within those things. You know, I see some with almost yeah. like a, like a, like a reddish hue to them almost, you know, and they, it's yep. like, they're, they're, they're just incredible. I'm, I'm super excited to, uh, to get some. Yeah. They're, they're, they're a lot of fun. And I work with at least across the Gulf coast, I guess I've got three different areas that I've, I work with stock from and, uh, Plus, I also work with some grays a little more inland. I've got a pair from right here where I live that um, that I enjoy working with too. But uh, 
you know, everybody likes the white oaks that are brighter and, you know, showier looking a little bit compared to the more inland um, parts of the range. And, mm-hmm. well, then now all the nomenclature changed and nothing is what it was and everything's different. But, you know, I, yeah. I tend to stick with some of the more older subspecies. It's a little bit more descriptive and easy to follow and understand for everybody. But, you know, sure. teach their own. Yeah. See, I don't know what it is because I have my group of corns from around here. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, they they are very nice, especially that one in particular, that one female. But yeah, I don't know what it is about that project that it's, like, maybe it's just because, like, it's from around here. And yeah. I know there's really not a whole lot of people doing stuff with, like, the corns here in Buford. Yeah. Or I don't mm-hmm. There's just something about it that I'm just, like, yeah. freakishly excited about where it's, like, nah, dude, when I catch I... these out, they're not going to look like anything special. Yeah. But they're still, it's, like. It's yeah, they're, they're, they're cool, you know. Right, it's, I dude, right. I want I want some of those from you so bad when you reproduce them, and there I that because that's another thing I want. It's just a normal ass corn snake. I are want a pair of normal yep. corn. Are snakes. you friends with Tony Mills on Facebook? Yes. Did dude. you see those corns oh that he released? My God, one of my old yes. employers. He he breeds local corns and he re-releases them in certain parts of the county. And the ones that he re, like he produces are. Dude, so he's nice. he's not like very. <laughs> he's Give not on Facebook. He's that. not on Facebook a lot. But I've got a herpetologist buddy, uh, Jonathan, who has a baby from him. And I swear to God, Tony Mills produces some of the nicest corn snakes in the country. Just he wild out some types, northern, man. Uh, pines too. Oh, really? Yeah, that was like a year or two ago. Let me see but, if I can pull up Jonathan's. I know he posted one. I need to talk ago. to him about that. Be like, dude, next time you produce some, for the love of God. Like, yeah, hook a brother up because those those babies he released, I was like, why? Yeah, dude, they are. He produces some insane corn snakes. Yeah, and like what you're saying, where you're you you, you show an appreciation for you know these red rats that you're working with that are from right by you, that that goes to a lot of the accounts of a lot of the different ones, a lot of the different colubrids I work with, mm-hmm. because some of the species in general are just there's, you know, there's nostalgia for what I what I remember seeing and catching as a little kid and and or places that i go with good friends and spend you know many hours and weekends and multiple trips to same the certain areas and so there's there, there's a sentimental and nostalgia value for for a lot of my my colonies that i work with you know for one reason or another and then a number of my rat snake colonies you know they're they're they're, they're lines that have that, that a good friend started you know, decades ago and is kept pure with locality animals and periodically has had new stock added to it. And, and I'm helping make sure that, you know, his lines, you know, continue on, um, through efforts of mine and making sure some of them get in the hands of other people so that, uh, you know, his hard work and his passion that went into, into his animals that he has appreciated so much for, for many years. Um, you know, be appreciated by everybody else. Yeah, and that's part of the appeal for me is, like, it just being, like, you do the chondros, which aren't necessarily hard to breed, but, I mean, they definitely require a little more work than, you know, your your average rat snake will, but there's just something sure. about having, like, those simple little side projects that you just do for, right. not that the main projects aren't for fun, but it's just a little, like, yeah, I love corn snakes. It's like, these aren't going to be any crazy yeah. more for anything crazy, but it's just going to be fun because, nope. like, that's something you can right. continue to fold on each year and work with and try sure. and right. see what you can bring yep. out the best of a certain locality. And Yeah, and I mean, you know, it, it for me, like, the, the you know, because I've been thinking about all kinds of, you know, different, because, like, I really want to, like, put a little effort into rat snakes and some, some of the more locality stuff. And it's just, like, for me, it's, 
because I already do it with my carpets. You know, I don't have yeah. morphs. Like it's all selective breeding. And now, like I'm looking into you know uh, more of these North American rat snakes. You know, and I'm just like my gears are turning about. You know what I do with the the popwing carpets. I'm like, man, you apply some of this to these these rat snakes, just normals, man. Like, yeah, I really think you can get some just incredible stuff. And I mean, yeah, you know, Chris, you're proof that you get some amazing animals just from selective breeding wild types, man. Sure. It's and that's what it is. I mean, I can get my hands on you know anything if I just went out and got online and ordered whatever. You know, you can get whatever yeah. rat snake you want, whatever color, whatever. But you know, there's again they. They, they vary across the range, you know. Whatever, whether you're talking about a yellow rat in Florida, or you're talking about a red rat across the whole range, they're, they're hugely variable. And if mm-hmm. you know, you put a little time into getting getting a, a group going from one area and then a, the other area and then another area, you see across that range, there's just you know some really amazing differences out there. Like the line of of red rats that I work with from uh, the foothills of North Carolina that a yeah, good friend Michael Coons, yeah. Yeah, Michael Kuhn started that line after he worked for, gosh, a, over a decade. He, he knew they were there. He put the time in. He worked hard, you know, to, to, to get a couple of animals and finally got them breeding and, and, and is, is producing them. And there's a number of folks like me who's gotten their hands on some. And is, I produced some for the first time this year. And, you know, and I've gotten some of my babies into other guys' hands. And they're amazing. I mean, they just, they, they, they're reminiscent of like the, the Miami Dade County, yeah. you know, red rats down there but they're but they're still different than those mm-hmm. and they're smaller the babies are smaller they're little smaller huskier little animals because they're found up you know up up, up in the elevations in, in these like little micro habitat areas that are just right for them up along the edges of the appalachian chain and there's other areas in the range where you know they they, they all vary there's no different than the, the red rats from the keys and you know, it's they're all cool in different areas, and they can all be appreciated from these different and areas too, and not just good. Oh, and just not you know, just lump them all together, and you know, just get a red rat from anything. You know, right, I mean, which, right. that's fine if you if you you know, if, if you want to do your morphs and do all your colors, and those are great. They're beautiful animals. They're awesome. I did them years ago, and it it doesn't have the same appeal for me these days. You know, I bred different colored corns back in the nineties, mm-hmm. and it just I you know, I just I don't. I don't go. I, I mean, I can go wow at some of them, no different than I can than a lot of the ball python morphs and and, and bloods that my buddies produce. But they just don't have this. You know, I don't want to go buy them and keep them. You know, right. or yeah, I don't want to. That's wanna, where I'm at with a lot of it too. Yeah. You know, I exactly. look at the corns it's, I have, and I'm like, why would anybody want anything other than this? Yeah. It, the, yeah. The, the thing yeah. that the, that really draws me to just the wild type stuff is just how pushed a, uh, pushed a, pushed aside they are nowadays. Yeah. You know, it's like the normals. They have. The, you know, everybody doing these morph stuff, you get a normal, there's like, oh, crap, a normal, great. You right. know, you'll sell right. it for 20 bucks. You know, like, man, come on. Like, it's, yeah. it, 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 it brings me back to this post I saw where somebody was genuinely upset that the first corn that hatched out of their clutch was a normal. Like, yeah. genuinely yeah. upset, yeah. and it pissed me yeah. off. I ranted about that yeah. for hours. You know, I was, it's it just, it's so irritating how people are with normals nowadays. And it's like, I, yeah. I really just want to bring some focus back to that, man. It's, yeah. I mean, I, pr- I can appreciate all those. I know there's some amazing yeah, animals. People sure. keep them as pets, those bright colored animals, those crazy pattern animals. They're amazing, but there's also a lot of amazing naturally occurring stuff from you know different regions and different parts of the range you know just you know our rat snakes you know whether you're in central florida south florida up the east coast from you guys inland a little bit you know up my way 
you know, these rat snakes just vary drastically. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, Peninsula Florida has just some amazing variation in in rat snakes, whether you're in the Gulf Hammock or you're in the Keys or you're along the St. John's or wherever, you know, these, these, these guys, you know, vary a lot. Some areas, they vary a lot within the individual area and other areas, you know, they stay somewhat consistent, you know, and it's all, it's, it's all, you know, it's, it's all very appreciable to me, and it seems that some folks are uh, showing that appreciation these days as well, a little bit maybe more than they yeah. were mm-hmm. ten years, ten or fifteen years ago, For where sure. you know that's all we had, you know, a number of decades ago when the morphs were just coming out in the market, and then everybody kind of forgot about the other stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. the draw for for the corns for me here is like we we're on the coast, like directly on the coast. Yeah. Like the water's literally like not even a half a mile yeah. on the other side of the road. Like <laughs> we're on all these barrier islands and some of them are pretty big. Like St. Helen is huge. Yeah. Ladies Island, which is where we are, is pretty big where yeah. I am. And then like you have like mainland parts of town, which is where you are, and that's where that one smoking female came from yeah. was over in that area. And so like just seeing the difference between those and like literally like what eight miles up the road from like oh, shell yeah. point to here yeah 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 like there you get a ton, is, like they're completely different yeah that, that the you know, corn snakes in my opinion are the most variable snakes that we have here like the rat the yellow rats that we get are all generally the you know same some similar you know yeah some are much more defined with the heavier black some are a lot lighter you know but they're they're all generally the same color base Mm -hmm. you know but the corns my god like you know and don't even talk about going up towards yamasy and you know and actually you know that you know the hardyville area you know you get some down here compared to what they look like down here it's well even it's incredible so i have four of them right i have a male and three females Mm -hmm. uh the original female, that bigger one, came from, like, there's, like, probably a two or three hundred yard difference between her and then the pair that came from my parents' house. Mm-hmm. And Completely they, like, different. They also look different. Like, yeah. the, the pair that, that came from my parents' property looks very similar. But that one female that I got when she was teeny tiny out of my neighbor's pump house, she's considerably yeah. more red, not as, like, a, not more of, like, a deeper like walnut brown right but like that's what like we're talking literally like my parents neighbor across the street right yeah it's 200 yards maybe yeah you know it's crazy like it's just that's something i find so cool is that you just get such variation between they vary they vary a lot right in my own county here i still to this day can't seem to come up with one live i only ever come across dors but i know people that get them live it's i don't really again i don't like road cruising so i don't put a lot of time into it in the roads here where i can turn them up and as well as a couple of the other cool species they're they're just difficult to cruise there's too many cars no shoulder right and it's frustrating so i just i I nix it but the dors that i've seen have been very variable i've seen some that are very red animals very more uh, dare i say classic but you know more classic looking looking red and then others that we have around here and in tennessee in the middle and upper part of the state here where they're just really kind of this weird greeny gray background and mm. just, you know, as you get kind of up in, up, up, you know, farther out of the coastal plain, you tend to start seeing some of these ones that just have very different colors. Um, much like you do when you get in the foothills and stuff of, of the Carolinas, they just, they just look different as the habitat chains. And I'm kind of right in the transition zone in the fall line Hills here. So we see a little bit of, mm. see a little bit of both here. Yeah. Um, 
So it's just it's it's cool to just appreciate some of these guys. And would your I bet you if you looked really hard for your rat snakes in your area and if you really kind of focused on really different habitats, you would see that your rat snakes vary too. The more open and sunny is the more brighter yellow, you know, more coastal habitats going to be more of a classic yellow. If mm. you can get down in some of your real good heavy dark swampy wooded forests, mm-hmm. you're going to see a, you're going to see a little bit of a color change, a little bit of a pattern change because I know of some that have been found in uh, some of the barrier islands out there in South Carolina and uh, within one barrier island that's, you know, in an area the size of a football field or two, a couple friends turned up three or four animals, you know, in one little short window of less than an hour and every one of them was completely different. Yeah. yeah I mean, like, they're very common. Right absolutely. Here. The yeah. most drastic yeah. looking animals, you know, that you would never believe that they were even, you know, found in the same immediate habitat. You figure they'd be found in very different, you know, different areas and they were boom, right there yeah. and it, uh, i even used pictures of those three in a in a talk i did for uh, maryland natural history society a couple years ago that, you know to show you know the variations of them along the coast down there that they're all just not yellows along the coast if you get in some of those good forests mm-hmm. dark forests they can they can be pretty uh pr- pretty different looking for sure yeah that's one no, of the there's... things for me is like the historical aspect of it with the islands and the different yeah. sects, like how long did it take like how long has this gene pool been restricted right on this island yeah, to make it, it look the way it does like that kind of stuff i just obsess over because it's like i don't yeah. I find yeah. that very cool yeah it's funny you talk there'll be about some, there'll be some gene flow but you know because some lot, of these guys yeah. can cross there yeah. can be some crossing just between storms mm-hmm. and you know, and just some are going to swim. It's going to happen. Logs go floating. Things happen. You know, I mean, these guys are going to have some, but not a lot by any means. It's not right. like they're traveling back and forth all the time. Yeah, it's funny. We're talking about the island specifically because yesterday uh, for work, I, we took a boat ride out to uh, an island we, that's actually developed a little bit called the Fusky. Um, it, it's off, you know, not it's about a 20 15 20 minute boat ride and uh so it's it's out there a little ways but you know as soon as we got out there i started looking yeah i started looking around and i was like oh man if i could find some stuff out here and like specifically like the fusky island rat snakes like that would be so damn i wouldn't even care what they look like i don't care if they're by ferry yeah like there's people that live out there but you have to to go to like right. Hilton Head or anywhere else, you have to take a ferry. Yeah, or just get yep. there by boat because yeah. it's a public island. Like you can just go over there and rent a golf cart and ride around and stuff. Which now I'm really tempted to do you it. Should go do that because I've never been dude, there. I've I, heard yeah, really cool yeah. things about it, but I've yeah. never been. No, dude, I was. We were driving around the other yesterday looking at job sites, and man, it, it's beautiful out there. It's really pretty, and you know some of the areas. I'm just like, oh man, if we could, if we could find some rat snakes find some and corn snakes from out dude. there, man. Yeah, oh projects like God. that are great. You know, it, it it creates uniqueness and interest in it. And if you can just remember, you know, every couple of years, go out there and just get one male to bring back into the gene yeah. pool to freshen mm-hmm. it up. So you're not, so you're just not pigeonholing, you know, your, your line so much. And just every couple of years, just all you need is just a male. Just bring a male into the line, and, right. you know, and breed it in, even if it's just once, you yeah. know, and yeah. and 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 keep keep that line fresh. You know, it can be a really fun and enjoyable you know, project and, dude. and, and draw some interest. I'm going to freaking obsess over that now. Yeah, dude, I'm telling that's you, I couldn't, all, st- I couldn't stop not, thinking uh, about it. I couldn't stop thinking about it yesterday, man. I was like any locality guys would go nuts over this type Sunday? of stuff, man. <laughs> it's a $35 <laughs> ferry ride. Big whoop. Uh, yeah. That's a, it's an expensive trip, but yeah. It, One way or both ways? Both uh, round trip. 
That's not bad. Yeah, yeah, I guess. If it was but, one way, I'd be like, weed. Uh, yeah, no, it's, but yeah, man, I couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about that while we were out there. I was like, that, that could be such a cool project. Like, the Fusky Island Corns and Rats. Like, ugh. Uh, yeah, the one thing, like, too, like that, and compared to, like, some of the other stuff that you guys work with, which I work with now, and I, I used to work with a lot of that, you know, the more tropical stuff and the bigger stuff is, it's, it's a little easier to keep some of our temperate stuff, especially if we're in the southeast. Yeah. yeah. You can you can you could manage them a little bit easier, a little bit less expensively, not having to spend so much on all this heating and electrical stuff that, you know, you know, causes fires and people have thermostat problems and, you know, have accidents with their collections and their houses burned and all these kind of things. That's one of the big things of why I kinda of went this route and have stuck with it is because I have I use very little dangerous related stuff with my collection Mm -hmm. that I have to worry about the house and I have to worry about animal deaths. I mean, I've known too many friends that have had, you know, catastrophic situations happen through, you know, heat tapes and heat lights and all, you know, all that kind of stuff and all the electricity, (laughs) right. Heat rocks. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But all all those, all that, all that electricity hooked up in our average herp rooms, Mm -hmm. you know, and I do you know, worry about it, my outlets sometimes. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's, <laughs> right. And you know, and everybody's made it a little safer with, you know, uh, all the new technology and all the new electronics to help kind of manage all that, you know, but you still hear often enough people having, you know, I know several guys, oh, you yeah. know, that have had that happen in the past couple of years. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm not doing to do anything that's going to put me in that situation if I can help it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I literally in my whole in my in my snake room I have one heat pad in my whole room that's is on, and it's under my one guilty pleasure of I've got some sandboas, and so hmm. I've got a big tub with my group of Indian sandboas, and I've got one Ooh, the plastic yeah. heat pad that's plugged in, but it's also on a shelf. That's that's like you know a perforated ventilated heat pad you know shelf to where there's no you know compressed air getting caught up inside anything it's it's open below it and the and the and the tub sits on top with little feet so you know and it works just right mm-hmm, and yeah. I and I don't I don't fret over that and other than turning my fridge on in the winter when I'm when I'm when I'm cooling stuff and my heater for the rest of the room which is a you know a good safe space heater that's you know, rotates and is that sort of stuff to keep the rest of the younger guys and the stuff that's not being cooled at that time warm. You know, I, I try to use almost nothing and I find it less stressful, you know, and, and less worrisome compared to what I tend to hear from other folks, you know, and some of it's because where they live, they have no choices or that's the way, you know, it, everybody's got what works for them. But I, I, I try to eliminate as much of accidents and dangers and stuff i mean we've got you know in our house and we want kids well we get dogs and we show dogs and i don't want something happening if i can that that's a result of my my herb keeping yeah. happened to the house yeah. and to the animals if you know if, if if i can help it and so that's why I, you know i'm not doing as much of the tropical stuff that i used to do years ago i mean my passion is lizards i, I love tropical arboreal lizards and i just don't want to i just don't want to mess with all the heat lamps and stuff and the uv lights and stuff anymore i just don't I don't want to do that right now. I've been really close a bunch of times to, to, to getting back into basilisks, which are my absolute favorite herb in the whole wide world. And <laughs> it's been years since wagon. I've worked with them. And and I know people that are breeding stuff that I want that I haven't, I haven't seen in 20 years. And I was inquiring over to Europe for a couple of years, trying to find some, 
And now I know there's people in the U.S. with him, and I keep going, Arr. but I don't have the room, and I don't want to sacrifice what I'm playing with at the moment to make it happen. So, you know, <clears throat> one day maybe I'll, I'll get back in, into working with some Basiliscus Basiliscus skin, but uh, yeah. not not in the near future, I don't think. Yeah, I hear you. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> It is. It's it's really easy to to, 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 to to turn your head and get into something else. It's kind of what's happening with me with my Florida King locale. Is it's like, oh, well, I'll get another pair of those, and I'll get a pair of that county, and I'll get a pair of that county. <laughs> I and keep seeing Euromaster. Before I know I it, I'm like trying to figure them. out what rat snakes to get rid Yeah. And, and i got to <laughs> figure out what i got to get rid of to make those fit as they become adults. And, yeah. Yeah. No, Which no, is going to happen. I'm, I, it, it, I, I'm getting more this year as it is, as long as some friends are successful and you know, I'm looking forward to it, but at the same time, I'm like, eh, yeah, two or three years, a couple of these rat snake groups are going to have to go, yeah. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, there's, I found a guy on Instagram that yeah, has those uh, Xenogamma tailori, which is like one of my dream species as far yeah. as lizards go. And I'm like, oh, yeah, man, he's like the only I person those I years know. Ago. They're fun. They're, <laughs> they're so cool. They're fun little lizards to work with. They, they really are. There's a lot of personality in them. Um, they're mini Euromastics. Yeah. They're better than Euromastics. They're way better than Euromastics, in my opinion. Um, I didn't enjoy Euros when I worked with them, and that's just you oh, know I loved them. me. But wow. I, I those 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 little I had Taylor Eye and I had whatever the other one was that was available back, you know, in the nineties. I don't even remember what the other species was, but uh, uh, those those were fun little mm-hmm. fun little lizards to play around with. Yeah, I saw um, them at a zoo. I think either Jacksonville or Riverbanks, uh, but they had a little. Nice little desert setup with them, with the group in yeah. there, and it was like the coolest thing. I didn't no idea those even existed, but I just remember yeah, like that was the one exhibit I was like around staring at the most out of everything else. I was like, yeah. These are the coolest little lizards ever. <laughs> yeah, nice. They're they're just nice little like it's little mini dragons with loaded with personality, and uh, they're they're definitely a cool a cool little lizard species to work with for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Find me some, we'll and then find, find me the small loan I need to get some. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I imagine uh, finding captive born ones, uh, considering I haven't really, not that I've been paying attention to the import market, but I imagine trying to find some captive born ones would not be... Uh, oh, they're virtually non-existent. Yeah, yeah. Particularly, it wouldn't be cheap if you found any. Yeah. Even the imports are expensive as hell. Yep. Yeah, they were, I remember them being pricey back when, when, when I had gotten some at the zoo. And, uh, mm. and even back then, as fresh imports, I think we were, you know, they were 100 a pop at the, back then. No, they're way more than that now. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Hey. I'm All sure. gone are those days. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, those old days, you could find a, find a lot of good stuff for really yeah. reasonable that we look back at nowadays and go, wow, that's amazing. We should have taken better advantage of some of those situations. But, you know, you know hindsight's everything. So... You being so into colubrids and having such a wide range of them, yeah. Uh, in your opinion, what's the best? Like, what's your pick? If someone's like, "I want a snake. I've never had one before," but they're looking into colubrids, what is your? What's your? You know, it's hard one not pick? to say. You know, it's hard not to say. You know, a, a red rat just because they don't get too big. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once they're started. They're a good, hardy little snake. I mean, that can be said for any of the obsolete rats, you know, whether it's yellows, blacks, grays, whatever. You know, a lot of those guys are, 
really on par at the same time. They do get a little bigger, so that you know mm-hmm. can, can affect a, a decision in that capacity. Um, you know, I, 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 I want to offer a different suggestion on the whole, although availability doesn't exist in interest. Although it's picking up of late, it hasn't been a high interest. But uh, I'm going to tell you what, man. Put some effort in. Have some fox snakes, man. They're the greatest oh. damn things in the world. Oh, fox I'm snakes are so cool, man. I want those they, because they're one of the few snakes that you can find in Wisconsin. and that, cause oh, that, That's yeah, where I was born. Yeah. That's where I was born. They're, they're <laughs> one of the few snakes that you can find out there. So I'm like, one day I got to get some fox snakes. Yeah. They're, 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 they're like... They're, they're just a great snake to work with. They're so enjoyable. They're like, you know, a miniature bull pine, you know, they, where they don't get so big. Babies are huge. They come right out eating. They're the easiest things I've got on the planet to start, Jeez. you know, coming out of the egg. Um, they're just a real pleasure to work with. You know, they're not flashy. There's not morphs. There's some variability across the range. Um, but, you know... As far as like a good, easy, hardy animal, Captain Breadborn Fox is hard to beat. Really is. I mean, I enjoy working with those more than, well, maybe not more than my banded waters. It's just, different. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't get, don't do get crazy. I, I have a real, I have a real obsession with banded waters. Fasciata is just, you know, God, I don't I was know what telling it is, Jake just, before we had you on, like the ones we have here are just insane. It's just the deep dude. maroon. Yeah. Yep. Just, I, I wish oh, it blows me away. I've I wish you both. Ones. I wish you both could have seen the female that I found in my parents' pond the other day. My God, Let's I take a picture. I, of I, there's a, my Amanda has a few pictures of it. I need. I still need to get from her. But I'm telling you, man, this this was a banded water snake. Swear to God, every bit of it around five foot. Like it. It was the biggest. That would be ridiculously impressive it, no i like it may it i'm may not have saying been... it's completely unheard of I, the biggest one i found and it was by far bigger than any other one i found was in that neighborhood and i didn't even pick it up it was so big it was just like i've got a picture of a, a partial picture of it um from from down on the panhandle of florida and uh but yeah. Yeah, they can get that big it's just you know it's yeah, it... you don't usually see a big one over three foot yeah, no, I I 100% agree. I rarely have found them, you know, three maybe four foot. But I'm telling you, this I it, it was probably just a smidge under five. But this was the biggest banded water snake I've ever seen in my life. It, she was just incredible. Just a beast of a banded. I, I had I I didn't even know they could get that big. If I'm being honest, because like you said, I I only have ever really found them in the three foot range. Like that—that's yeah. the most common as far as bandits and the red bellies go around here. But man, she this this girl was just massive. Yeah, typically, I, I typically it. like female erythrogaster, the the red bellies and and the and the browns and the, and the diamondbacks. Those those species on average get bigger than any of the fasciata do. Mm, okay. Um, you commonly see them bigger. They're just they're they're built different. I mean, erythrogaster isn't nearly what browns and diamondbacks are but you know they i i can see big adult females of those on average bigger than the bandits on a length right a lot more commonly okay yeah i I haven't found the the reds are a lot 
there are definitely around here. Like I've seen quite a few of them, but they're not nearly as common as the bandits. Like I, I yeah. can, I can yeah. bandits is like pretty much yeah, all I've they're, ever seen. They are, they're 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 whatever it was yeah. we found that one road cruising trip. Yeah, I, I think that was a bandit too. It was a weird no. looking one, but it was a bandit. There's no way it was like patternless. Really, it may have been a I red. I can't red. remember it. But I found one, I found one. I never. I couldn't get my hands on it. I wanted to so bad just because it was the weirdest red belly I'd ever seen. But it was. This what thing was almost like red on top. Like it was like this bright orange, almost red color. Like, you know how sometimes that they'll brown out and have more of a red be- mm-hmm. belly. Like this was, this thing was like damn near orange red on top. And it, I, there, I've got a, they picture. can be, they can be crazy. I mean, I'm telling you they're, I've got some that are ridiculous. And, uh, my good buddy, Matt has got some absolutely insane stuff too, that he's managed mm. to get his hands on. Um, there, they, there's definitely some, and it's, and it's amazing just within one immediate population, how much variability there can be. You know, you yeah. can have an animal right, you know, that's crazy glow colored and right next to it, you know, or right down the same road or right in the same Creek or whatever. There's animals that are dark and dingy and mm-hmm. grays and Browns and, and everything in between. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I tend to actually like some of the ones that aren't so bright. Everybody's drawn to the reds, and right. that's what people are always wanting from me is babies that are red, you know. But I actually tend to like hold back more of the ones that aren't that because I want to see what they turn into. I want to I want to understand they're on a genetic change and 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 learn the different phenotypes from right. a particular area, and uh, and and some of those other colors and patterns. I, I dare I say patterns because there is some areas that the patterns do vary. Um, from others but some of those other ones can be really appreciable you know in different tones of blacks and whites and grays um and browns and not be day glow red or or orange or yellow you know but people love those reds and so i make sure you know i still produce a few of those because you know i have certain areas where i've I, i breed stock from that you know red's a pretty dominant color in the populations right. um and people just like i want a red one like that you know what's yeah. that baby gonna grow up and look like you know that kind of thing so and yeah. this year i've produced some ridiculously crazy nice red colored animals from a couple localities i just had another a colony a locality i've been breeding now for quite a number of years mm-hmm. um uh from uh, near the pensacola area uh, scambia county uh, Southerns and uh, that population where I go back to uh, has got a decent number of red animals in it, and uh, I added a new pair over the winter. And uh, didn't think they were going to breed, but the, the pair did. And the male is like such a ridiculously cool red animal. And the female is like this crazy cool gray and and blacky brown sort of banded animal, kind of different than what I typically see and. Uh, she just dropped a litter for me the other day, and nice. uh, you know it's a good, a good third of the babies are nice reds, and then there's kind of that variation of between mom and dad's look, and then others that look like they're going to be like mom. So it's going to be interesting. I'm going to keep a good group of those back and just see what they look like, see how they change, see how they grow up, and how long, add some of them to the. How long do you but, notice it takes for those to sort of like before you you figure out what you're definitely keeping? Like what's sort of um, the time change as far as the the, the time frame? Uh, of the color it, it varies. Sometimes you know I'll uh, I'll have a pretty good idea come like late winter spring. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I've been noticing with, uh, gosh, one co- one locality that I work with, I have some off the Apalachicola River, Liberty County, um, that a pair that I originally caught together the same night, 30, 40 minutes apart from each other that were completely different looking animals, that some of their F1 offspring that are now three, I guess now, that even coming into this third year, they suddenly started doing some major melanin changes and just other colors and tones that were not present at all first year or two of their life. Hmm. And so, um, it's, it's been an interesting learning curve with, with some of these guys and I'm watching some of the other folks around the country and out of this country that have some from that same line over the years. And Mm -hmm. just, you know, I just always help you know, let me see some pictures every once in a while. I want to see what they did, what they've done. And, uh, it's been pretty impressive seeing how, how some of these guys change when you think you kind of got, got an idea of how they're mature and what they look like. Like, and then, and then they start doing something else. You know, I had two animals out of a trio that were very washed out orange animals with some, that, that were calicos that this calico color, like the father with, a, a, you know, a little bit of black speckling, all of them that all of a sudden the big early part of this year started developing like, almost black bands on them mm-hmm. that were never there as, as, as babies and juveniles. Now they looked very different as babies. And over the first year kind of, I knew I could see where they were going, but then all of a sudden they started developing this other thing as they're getting close to being, you know, at the age of sexual maturity now. And it's been, it's been very revealing and very, very, you know, interesting seeing some of these changes and uh, just keeps me interested. Keeps me loving them. Yeah. You ever do anything with Eastern hogs? <clears throat> Um, I feel like those yes, would be in many... your wheelhouse. Like I feel like you and Kevin <laughs> Fisher are probably cut from the same. Uh, <laughs> I, I did dabble with them many, many years ago. Um, probably in the in the nineties, I guess it was I, uh, late nineties. I, I dabbled with them for a little bit when I was playing around with some colubrids back then. Um, with random stuff, I had some rats, I had some garters and hogs, and I was playing around with different stuff, and then whatever reason at the time i decided to kind of just completely stop keeping the colubrids i was at the time and never really kind of get them got any of them to the point of of breeding they were all young stuff and uh i never got them to full full age to to do something with them and i shifted gears and if i'm remembering probably the time frame right i went into uh breeding white lips and rainbows and then had some carpets and stuff like that for a while and uh but uh, yeah, I'm actually getting ready to get back into hogs here this season um, nice. through the captive breeding efforts of uh, one of my close Nerodia buddies. And uh, nice. he's got several clutches due to hatch mm-hmm. soon, and uh, I'll be getting uh, multiple uh, pairs, as it ho- hopefully as long as everything goes well and is healthy and happy and all that good stuff, I'll be, I'll be dabbling with them again and hoping to... Uh, I, I, my main reason to want to get back to them, aside from the fact they're cool and there's a little bit of a challenge there, is I, I periodically have the opportunity to, to donate native species to native specimens of, of, uh, to um, educational facilities. Uh, I haven't had to do any lately, but whenever somebody at a recognized, you know, educational public facility sort of situation where they're going to be teaching people <clears throat> and they ask for animals, I'm more than happy to provide them for them. Um, I've, I've not charged them. I've gone out of my way to drive to drive them and deliver them to them. And every place that I've 
ask they always ask for hogs they always want eastern hognose because it's a great <laughs> native species for them to use yeah in their education programs and i'm like look you know they're not cheap yeah if you can find <laughs> them you know and you know there's not very many people breeding there's really only one guy putting a whole lot of effort into them in the whole country mm-hmm. and you know they're just you know they're they're a lot of work and there's a lot of expense in them and so you know i'm hoping if i can maybe get going with them again that i'll be in a position to help some of those educational facilities in the future have a specimen on hand you know to teach you know hundreds if not thousands of kids over the years you know in in programs you know it's you know it's not like i'm going to breed them just for that but uh, you know i want to be able to you know, ha- have that opportunity down the road. And obviously it'll be many years cause I'll be getting, you know, fresh neonates yeah. um, this year, some F1 babies, but, uh, it'll, you know, I've had, I've, I've got a number of water snakes and rat snakes in the hands of some, some facilities in Georgia and Florida. And, uh, uh, I know they're out there being ambassadors and, uh, I'm hoping to maybe try to put some more in some of those folks hands again with, down the road with with some other species you know they don't keep many animals and every once in a while they need to replenish their stock and most of those guys keep their animals on hand to teach these kids for 15 20 or more years Mm -hmm. and uh you know they don't have a need to get animals too often but you know i've got one group in georgia that the multiple facilities tend to check with me once in a while and see if i can help them out and sometimes i can sometimes i don't have what they're looking for don't work with what they're looking for it's completely the wrong time of year you know that i would have anything of that nature right available or on hand you know some of the stuff i breed like i've got people wanting them long in advance you know and they're 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 gone as soon as they're born more or less to an extent right. you know um so kevin fisher's one of our white whales yeah yeah i mean he's we you know he's done it's amazing work interesting and like this is just cool yeah like, no one has yeah. stepped up to that plate like yeah. on any right. serious level. Yeah, at least for the, 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 the Easterns and Southerns, you know, a lot of people work with the Westerns, you know, that's a, obviously a very commonly kept species, man, but the Southerns and Easterns just right. just haven't hit the captain market, it's, you know, and Yeah, any of those any of these animals and it's the same thing with working with Nerodia like I do. You yeah, know, you just got to exactly. have to have an interest and a passion and, you know, uh, f- for me, it is you know you you read in the in the article that I wrote. There's there's a learning curve of understanding their reproduction, and with with the bandits, for me, that just keeps my interest constantly. Is that you know, so people, so many people, you know, they see these little babies and they see what colors they are. Is it's going to look like that when it's going to be older? Is it going to stay that color? Is it going to be like you know and for me, trying to learn and understand what that phenotypic inheritance is and, and try to understand it where everybody has learned that so well with all their little baby red rats and all their morphs. They can go through a whole clutch or go through a whole expo and pick through a zillion deli cups and, under, and, and have a clue of what all those little babies are going to mature like in four years. You know, mm-hmm. It's the same thing with these guys. It's just a matter of nobody's put the time in or cared to put the time in to, to – to raise and breed these guys and, and raise babies and have an understanding of like, well, yeah, it's red, but it's got this little bit of fadedness along the top in this yellowy tone, you know, well, that means it's going to do something. It's not going to stay this way. And, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's all there. It's just, no, nobody's, nobody's wanted to understand. Nobody's cared to understand. And I, it's one of the things 
I'm so excited about it, and I try to get other people excited about it as well because to me it's just every time I have a little baby like this time of year right now, it's just great. It's like you know when I go in there and I see a fresh litter of baby bandits born, and it's just like it blows my mind. It's just awesome. Yeah, and I've had two this week. You know, it's <laughs> oh, had like so awesome. thirty-five or forty babies born this week. You know, Jesus. just between two females, and I've got another pile several more do still before the season's done and most of them will probably be born before the end of the month and you know it's just like i guess get in there and look at them and what they're born they look like them you know that morning or that evening that they're born you know two three four weeks from now they look so different because it's like they're they're relatively drab they don't have much color but boy you get those first meal or two into them boy and all of a sudden they just brighten up and color up and you really can appreciate them it's 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 uh it's pretty, uh, pretty cool stuff. See, I'm at convinced least from man, my perspective. Guys yeah. like you are important people in the hobby. Oh yeah, because if so it weren't important. for guys like you so that are important. just completely off the beaten path with yeah. the stuff we're focused on, we'd all have nothing but yeah, balls and corn. But there's yeah. always been people. There's always been yeah. people. Yeah, there's always going to be. There always will be. You know, know and... there's people that I looked up to decades ago. You know early in my hobby and early in even my professional career within the zoo field that I looked up to, which is like, these guys, these guys are making a mark. These guys are making a difference. They're really going above and beyond to learn and understand. I mean, you guys are Chondro guys. I mean, look at the stuff that Eugene Bissett and Trooper Walsh did yeah. back, yeah. back when I was getting into herps and doing it. Those two guys, I mean, I grew up in Central Florida, so Eugene Bissett was a big guy, you know, and the work that those two guys did to understand what it took to hatch those eggs I have you know, one of his lay boxes that I won in the first yeah, Carpet yeah. Fest up there. That, that stuff, I feel bad you know, that it's on the shelf. Is, it should be somewhere trying to find. It should be. It needs to have light on it and stuff like that. You know, yeah. I mean, the, the work that guys like him and, 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 and like a big, hugely impressionable person to me um, years ago, um, who, who has been, he's been, he's been dead for a few years now, um, is Bert Langerwerf, lizard breeder um, from the Netherlands oh, originally. Yeah, he was a big deal. Lived, lived here in Alabama and I, and I, I, I had corresponded with him back even back when I was in college and high school when he first mm -hmm. moved to the States. Um, cause he worked, I'd seen his little ads in the back of like vivarium and stuff. And, you know, I corresponded with him back then cause he worked basilisks. And so, and then once I moved up here, um, and realized that like, shit, the dude lives like 45 minutes up the street, you know, it's just interstate ride. And yeah. and I got to, to to visit with him several times over the years, and 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 understand his what he did and how he did and how he approached things, yeah. and it's just a completely different world than what the average hobbyist does. Man, that's crazy. That's like, a name I have not heard in such a long time. God, Bert Bert was yeah. it, it was challenged. Visits were a challenge because of the language barrier. You know, he spoke <laughs> English, but it was very, you know, it was Dutch, man. I mean, yeah. he's, it's, it was, it was, you know, and he rambled in scientific names constantly. And so, like, I'd gather about half if I was at, <laughs> on a good day of what the hell he was saying. On a good day. <laughs> but, you know, but, like, I remember one time going, was in, was it was in his living room. And in his living room was a big wall of books, right? And you know what? Majority of those books were not her books. They were weather books. They were geography books. They were books about 
understanding where animals come from, mm-hmm. not about the animals. Oh, and he taught man. me how to he, – he showed me about you know, paying attention to the, to the elements and, and the environments these animals came from and recreating those elements that you don't have to recreate – where they came from you have to recreate what was there where they come from you know yeah it's 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 not about like oh i got to make this bioactive cage and it's got to look like you know exactly where my animal comes from you know that no you know it's it's not you know you can if that's what you want to do that's great but you don't have to you, you need to offer the animal the elements that are present it's more about the set than the setting Right, exactly. It, it's no goes no different. I don't have. I, I did naturalistic planted enclosures for years in the zoo field, and and there's a huge educational value in doing that for people to help people understand where an animal comes from. There's a huge value in that. And but for me doing it on a personal level, I'll never do it. It's it's you know if even even you know even with dart frogs and stuff like that, you know, it's great to do. But, you know, a really simple cage just growing with pothos with a light on it is going to be make a bunch of dart frogs super happy. Yeah. But you don't have to yeah. do a whole lot more than that, you know. I bred lots of dart frogs, you know. It doesn't take a whole lot. Leave them alone. Feed the hell out of them. They're going to reproduce for what you. What species was it? Oh, uh, I've bred Luke's, Azurius, Tanks, Bicolors. Uh, Anytime I hear somebody say I work with darts, I'm like, Aratus, what species Aratus. <laughs> Um, Every time. most of the, most of the bigger ones, yeah. uh, where I didn't really work with any of the little guys, uh, mm-hmm. the bigger ones were better exhibit animals and that's what oh, we were definitely. using them for. Yeah. You know, we had, we had one exhibit with, you know, mixed of the bigger guys. And then I had a number of, you know, a whole line of tens and stuff off exhibit, you know, um, where I had just groups of either young ones or breeder groups and stuff like that. Um, and breeding all those guys. Um, and so, uh, you know, it, it it doesn't take a lot. It's again just giving giving these guys their elements, and they're happy. You know, I mean, a lot of the big breeders that breed a lot of these colubrids, you know, they they, they keep a very simple, very cleanable, very envir- elementally based approach to their husbandry, and it's very successful. And some people may not like that approach or not think that's the best, and you know, but you know, success is success, and that's that's appreciable. You know. It's it's just giving the animals what they need, and it doesn't necessarily have to be aesthetically pleasing unless that's what you want, and that's great. What aesthetics are, aesthetics but, are great if, hey. if you want to put the time into it. My yeah. chondros don't thrive unless they're in a vivarium with microfauna and the exact plants shipped from the Cyclops Mountain area. Yeah, in that that's, tank. That's, and Jake tells that's... me that if I don't have him set up like that, I'm a horrible keeper, <laughs> oh. and this is animal abuse, oh, and I, I should just that. burn in hell. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about the extent of it. He says I'm I'm yeah. the devil. I remember the early years back, you know, back when people were, when no you know, cared. they they literally went to Lowe's <laughs> and stuff and bought shower units and just had shower units lined up and they had heat panels and the radiant heat panels and the top when those first became available and mist systems and basically their chondros were just in modified shower units, you know, stuff yeah. like that, you know, it's it, it it's again offering them elements. That's the important thing. Aesthetics <laughs> is for us, in my in my opinion, and everybody's got an opinion. Mine may be garbage. That that King of the Hill meme, if these kids could read, they'd be very upset right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I did did that. I made a meme about that. I never released it. I have a whole treasure trove of unreleased memes, (laughs) and I made one, and it was like, 
just because it's in a vivarium doesn't necessarily mean it's going to do better. And it's him holding the sign to the window, and then it's Hank Hill saying, if those kids could read, they'd be yeah. very upset right now. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, I mean, that's just no different than the way I did my basilisk years ago. All my basilisks were in walking cages, you know. and Greenhouses? I, I, uh, no, just a back bedroom, just like uh, you walked okay. in a room and there was doors. Yeah. And each 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 group had their own walking cage, and you know it. And they provide they were they had security, cool. they had everything, but there was no. I didn't even have live plants growing in there. Mm-hmm. You know, I go to Walmart and buy all sorts of plastic little plants, and I put it in the wire in the front to create visual barriers mm-hmm. from me walking in the room. I'd get fifty-five gallon Coke syrup drums and cut them down and use them for pools with pumps in them. You know, to clean the pools, and that was their water receptacles. And I used That's big neat. rubber maids full of sand for nest boxes and i used indoor outdoor carpeting on the walls for them so they could climb on and you know it's it's all and and then i'd go in the woods behind my house and cut down muscadine vines and put them across the cages you know and it's it's give them elements doesn't have to look like central america just see there's an idea i got all those vines growing right there next to the house i could put those in the brettles cage there you go (laughs) just gotta figure out a way to clean them off real good yeah but, but I think we're about at we, that we're time We're almost now. at two hours, so yeah, we'll go ahead so, and wrap yeah, it up. Yeah, it's Jakey's bedtime. Yeah, I got to be up at five in the morning. <laughs> oh, man, so. talk about past bedtime. It's way past my damn bedtime. <laughs> I feel you, man. I, I would When like you told me what time this was going to be, I was like, 7.45 my time. My ass is usually in bed by now. <laughs> I, get up, I get up at 4.30 in the morning to drive an hour to work, man. Oh. So uh, um, I got a 62-mile commute one way. So, oh, you know, I get up man. at like 8 for a 15-minute drive to work. Yeah, y'all yeah. suck. <laughs> hey, I get up at five, man, because I I gotta I do my snakes before I go into work at seven thirty. Take care so of my dog. I, I get up at five, so I'm not far. I'm not far from you. I gotta feed more Archibald. <laughs> hey, I, I I got eight I got eight dogs to feed, and I gotta check on my snake room before I leave in the morning Jeez. and make. Yeah, it's 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 yeah four thirty comes quick. It's gonna come quick in the morning too. Yeah, well we'll oh, go ahead and let you yeah, go yeah, then, we'll, man. Where where can people <laughs> find you? Uh. Facebook Dark Horse Herpticulture, and uh, as of starting this year, I'm on Instagram now at uh, at Dark Horse Herp. So yeah, yeah. you know, nice. I, I I post pictures of what I play with, and then then you know I'm on some of the you know colubrid form and some stuff like that out there. So just uh, like like showing off what I enjoy. So you yeah, know, man, check it out if you're down with it. Awesome. Yeah, well, we really appreciate you coming on, man. I was really looking forward to this episode, and this is this is this episode no. is like this is top five. That outline five. got this thrown is, out the window. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the outline. That's why, that's I saw why, you try to go back to it, the but it outlines just... <laughs> I keep them small for that reason because yeah, I know, like, yeah, you have like and, a core like ten questions. I know it's going to go in like thirty yeah. different directions. So. Yeah, no, th- this episode is definitely one of my top five, man. I really enjoyed this, and uh, shit, thank- man, I appreciate it, guys. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, thank you for definitely thank you for coming on, and uh, we'll have to have you on again to uh, Round two. talk about some uh, some other goodies. Yeah. So that'll be great. Now I, I look forward to meeting at least one of you in a couple of weeks too. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be me. I hate that I'm not going to be there, man. But I'll be there I'll be in spirit, and Jake, uh, might we'll all be suits. down there with our masks on, and <laughs> you know, with our limited entry into the show and being pissed. So, yeah, yeah. You, know, yeah. you can find me on the back porch of the Hilton smoking cigars, <laughs> smoking pretty cigars. much all day. Yeah. <laughs> if I get into the show, I get into the show. If not, I'm like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but all right, man. We'll let you go. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot for the opportunity, yeah, guys. Man. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, man. Bye. Later. Thanks a lot. Ugh. 
That was a good one. Oh, so, oh I love that episode. You got a little chub over there? Yeah. Are yeah, dude. excited? Yeah, dude. He's got me amped about it, you know, rat I was thinking about and it. And, and when I worked at the Nature Center on Spring Island, we did have one or two bandits. And I do remember them actually being pretty cool. I was like, dude. all right. Yeah. One of them was kind of small and it was neat. I want it. I want some. Like, it looked like a miniature version of the adult. It wasn't like a baby. It was like yeah. a, like a sub adult. It was like the perfect size. They're so cool, man. We were keeping them on uh, Cypress. I'm going to be, huh? So we were keeping them on Cypress, I uh, believe. And they, yeah, they that, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking they would do well on Cypress. They were almost always buried. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Now that I'm thinking about it, like, I, I never saw them out. Like, I almost always, if you wanted to find them, they were, you couldn't even see them. Yeah. So. But anyways, episode 92 of the Herpeticulture Podcast. Once again, this episode was brought to you by MPKs and Exotics. Steve Snakeshuary. Snakeshuary. We'll holler at y'all later. Yeah. Peace. But I ain't no hollaback girl. Ain't no hollaback girl. Throwing it back to the eighth grade. It's like the fourth grade for you. Yeah. Later. See you.